Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hey there, CFDsters. We're back with another founder interview, and this time we're at a slight disadvantage being an audio-only show. Why? Because the code we're talking about today produces some some really cool post-pro, and it probably needs to be seen to be appreciated. So check out the links in the show notes while you're listening, unless you're driving, in which case keep your eyes on the road. The code in question is Prion Lab, a CFD code brought to you by a German company called 52. The word 50 and the number two, in case you're Googling. And today I'm joined by one of the founders of 52, Jens Cornelis. And I started out by asking him if he could give us a bit of background on the company. Uh, 52 Technology is the company which is developing Prion Lab. And we are located in Freiburg, Germany. Uh, so I'm from Germany, which is the case where I have this strange accent. <laughs> and and um, we are um, nowadays developing Prion Lab with uh, 15 people um, working in our head office. And um, but we started in uh, 2012 with our business uh, at the university in Freiburg, um, where we have been developing the method, method um, which is Prion, so the numerical solver, actually, um, for a couple of years already. Um, when we started to yeah, somehow getting the idea to build up a business and um, we started to um, evaluate which could be the perfect market for our method and for our future product. So when you talk about a method, is it, what, what is Prion Lab? Is it a kind of, are we talking a traditional um, finite element code or something like that? Or um, is it something people might not have seen before? Yes, so when we did our research, um, we have been focusing on some method uh, that has not been that widespread, especially when it comes to proprietary um, code. And um, we have been focusing on Lagrangian methods, on particle-based methods, since um, we were absolutely sure that um, with um, particle-based methods, we can give the customer or the user of the method uh, new options in terms of CFD to solve problems that could not be solved with traditional methods. Um, And thus, we have been developing Prion, this um, particle-based method, um, by actually trying to combine uh, the best of both worlds. So to have a look at um, traditional CFD methods, which are solving on a grid, on a Eulerian grid, and um, the... um, already existing methods um, in the Lagrangian frame, um, which is, for example, smooth particle hydrodynamics. And we yeah, try to get both of best of both worlds and combine it in this solver, which is which is Prion. So for somebody who's perhaps not familiar with, with the SPH or the smooth particle hydrodynamics, that kind of thing, are we talking no mesh? Are we um, talking huge amounts of compute power required and long run times? Or is it is that not is it not like that anymore? That's a very good question. Um, because in in the past, actually, the major concern with particle-based methods was that at first, um, particle-based methods very often tend to be empirical methods, so they are very hard to um, perform a simulation with, a stable simulation with. And um, on the other hand side, um, it is a very very um, consuming in terms of computational um, hardware. We have um, built a method which is very efficient on, on 
standard CPU, which means that um, a simulation with many, many physical uh, seconds, like you can see on our YouTube channel, can be performed in only a couple of hours on a workstation. So yes, this has been the case in the, in the past, but um, we have addressed the issues with the former particle-based methods. So I'm going to put a link in the in the show notes to your YouTube channel, because if listeners aren't familiar with what you guys do, then go there while you're listening. Click on the first video that pops up, and it's a, a simulation of, of water flowing down a windshield. And then about halfway through, the windshield wipers start going. And it, for somebody who does more kind of perhaps traditional CFD, it's kind of mind-blowing. It looks like the sort of thing that it looks, I'll be honest, it looks not real. It looks like computer graphics, like you've kind of made it up. It looks nice, if you know what I mean. And then you read the little description of some of the physics that were involved and how long it took. And it's sort of double mind blowing. Explain, explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have a strong focus actually on the visualization of the simulation results. Um, this is for a reason. Um, at first, um, when we started developing a method, we did not yet know where our customers actually are situated in which market. So um, at first, we also um, had um, in mind that uh, our method might be um, handy and might be important for animations, so for um, an in entertainment industry, actually. Oh, wow. So in, in the first years, we also had a cooperation with Pixar, some people from Pixar. Oh. And um, but finally our method isn't what what is necessary in this autumn in this in this market. It's too so physical. It's, it's too physical, yeah. Still it needs too long. And as soon as an animation specialist uh, is talking to you and tells you can't we make it look different or flow different? And you tell tell this guy it, ah. it's, it flows just like that. That's correct, <laughs> and we we cannot do it different because this is what what really happens in the in the real world. Um, then you know that this is not the right market to address. If if we rewind a little bit, is this from when it was still sort of incubating within the university, when it was still a kind of method within that, or is this after you'd kind of spun out a little bit and become fifty two? No, it was before founding the company. So it was in our evaluation phase when we already knew that we have a great method, that we also started on actually working on a software which can be used by a human being, but we were not aware of the actual market, of the actual customer, of the actual user of our software. Okay. We tried some markets, so we had a different um, pilot customers in, in different markets. And uh, finally, automotive industry became our focus market since um, they really told us, okay, we, we've seen what you can do with your solver and this is just what we need in automotive industry. So I would like to bet that there are probably dozens, if not more, interesting CFD methods locked up within various academic departments in different universities around the world that never see the light of day, if you like. Can you... Give us a bit of an idea of what the journey was like from being in academia to being in a company. So usually if you're developing um, code in the university, um, the only thing that drives you is your next publication. So you, you have to somehow write a paper and you have to publicate. 
Um, but uh, Marcus and me, we had um, the idea of uh, developing actually software that helps us to to write the papers faster and to perform better better results. And um, thus, we at first started to write this software just for us. And uh, we really liked it, and um, we also liked to, to use it. Yeah? And that this was um, the beginning, actually, of the idea that this isn't, cannot be kept for just for us, but we have to deploy it to, to potential customers. And um, I think what makes it different from most um, methods that are developed in some universities and some faculties all over the world is that um, we very early had the vision that we are developing a software which is used by a human being, uh, which also means that we had a strong focus on making it fun to use uh, and um, making it easy to use in terms of the workflows and to minimize the efforts for setting up simulations, especially pre-processing effort, which is almost zero in Prion Lab since you do not have to do any meshing or similar tasks. We very early had a, had a software that could really be used by, by somebody even if it is somebody who has no experience with CFD software. That was kind of going to be my next question. Is it easy to use for somebody who's who's used other codes or is it easy to use for somebody who's who's maybe coming from a testing background or from another area? Um, in the end, it still, of course, is CFD software. But um, we have many users who aren't actually CFD experts, so who have their uh, have spent their time as test engineers and who give us the feedback that Prion Lab is a software that can be learned within a couple of days, even if you're not a CFD specialist. And this is also very important to us because um, this also is part of our philosophy that can also be seen in the visualization that we perform, that simulation um, is still something that uh, needs to be understood even if you're a non-expert. So that if you have simulation results and you have an animation and you can just watch where the water flows and whether some parts of the engine is drain, are drained or not, this is something that also a non-expert can understand. And um, in the end, of course, the most important part is some graphs, some plots, some quantitable values. <laughs> yeah, But... Um, getting results that can be understood and having a graphical user interface that can be used um, without the pain you might be used to if you're familiar with CFD software. Um, this is something that is very important to us. Yeah, so I get the impression that it kind of almost doesn't feel or look like a, a sort of traditional simulation code when, you, when you're in there and working with it. Is that something that was inspired by that decision? Definitely, yeah. So in, in the background, the numerical approach, of course, is a, is a physical method. And um, the, so the results match real world, and this has been validated in many benchmarks um, for different applications. Um, so you get the right results, but um, the user interface and the whole software is uh, feels like a consumer software. So um, we, we didn't have in mind... Um, or to, to rebuild uh, CFD software as it has been the last decades, but to have a look at uh, software that people use at their homes 
and use um, on their computers at home. And we have our very own opinion that software really ha can be fun to be used and that using a software like Prion Lab, even though it is CFD, which is uh, yeah, a hard science, can be just as much fun as to use iMovie or a similar software. Do these simulations, just to get a feel for it, do these simulations... Um, they could run on a, a desktop machine or maybe even a, I mean, laptops are fairly powerful these days, but it's not having to connect to some big HPC resource in the background. Exactly, yes. So you can run your simulations on, on your notebook. So if it's a small scale simulation, you can run it on your notebook. You can watch the simulation results. So you can move camera and things like that while the simulation is performed. So you really get a very visual feedback of what is happening. Um, but of course, um, if you get in large scale simulations, you can also connect to your HPC cluster and perform it on your cluster in order to be even faster than on your workstation. So it very much depends on your application, but most users start running Prion Lab just on their their hardware under their desk. I, I should have asked you this before, actually, but uh, have you got a favorite simulation or a favorite application, or are they all are they all your favorite? Yeah. So when it comes to the YouTube channel, uh, my favorite is actually the latest water waiting simulation. Um, where you can see how the car suspension model is working. So this is something that we developed in order to even more precisely being able to um, yeah, simulate what happens in a water rating simulation. And this is interesting from both points of view, the simulation aspect, the physical aspect, so what information you can get from the simulation, but also from a, from a visual point of view, because it just looks great. So is that is that bit of simulation done within Prion Lab as well, the, the suspension and the multi-body dynamics? Absolutely, yeah. So we oh, wow. We do have a multi-body um, KinemX solver, so it's a purely particle-based rigid solver, um, which is also used for gearbox simulation. So you only need to have one driving gear, and uh, all the rest of the um, gearbox is simulated in Prion Lab. And uh, the car suspension model is is a model which uh, is taking into account uh, the dampers of the car suspension. And uh, like this, you really get even more information from the waiting simulation, especially if it's quite a high level water and uh, you have a lot of buoyancy that is acting on the vehicle. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's the simulation, if it's the video that I've seen, it almost looks like at the kind of near the deepest point that the front of the car is almost unloaded, like it's almost about to lift off. Yes. Yeah, really impressive. So we mentioned that perhaps some of the users aren't sort of traditional CFD users. Do you, do you get much pushback? I mean, so you've got a you've got a code that produces results that look fantastic and are visually appealing, but you've also got something that's quite easy to use. Do you get pushback that it's either not as competent as perhaps it really is, or do you get pushback from CFD experts who are saying that it's not an expert level tool? Or I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking when when you've changed that many that many things that people aren't, don't always feel comfortable with with new things, new tools, and and push back against that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So especially when you're talking to CFD experts who have been using a specific software for decades. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you can recognize some kind of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> it's like they've been trapped in, in some room in the, in the basement for, for decades, and they can't even imagine that there is a world behind that door. Um, so yes, at first you do have uh, to encounter you do encounter some concerns, and uh, very often you uh, have many discussions, and you need to um, build up the confidence that what we are doing with Prion Lab really is CFD, is uh, in the in the very basics isn't that much different from uh, traditional methods but um, and incorporates some new properties which enables the engineer to solve problems that could not be solved with the traditional methods. But um, it is, even though it looks like a computer game, um, it is um, really hard science and um, physical sim simulation in, in the background. And you can use the tool in order to, to get all the graphs and all the quantitable information that you also get from the CFD tools you're familiar with. So I mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned automotive and I mentioned the YouTube channel. If you go to the YouTube channel, you see things like the, the windshield wiper and um, meshed gears, so kind of a gearbox oil splash type simulation. And there's a really great one of the of a car driving into into some water, wading, I think it's called. And so they're, they're all very automotive focused applications. Are there other things that it's particularly good at? Or is this is it a very niche automotive code? Yeah. So in automotive industry, Prion Lab is um, used for all topics in water management, which becomes very important, especially if you think of the disruption that happens in the automotive industry um, with the entirely new um, vehicle designs, and um, it is also used for um, gearbox simulation. But um, it, we also have customers in entirely different fields like uh, white goods where it is used um, to optimize the design of for example dishwasher washing machine um, for packaging of foods like yogurt um, wow. for um, civil engineering um, where it is used to solve um, problems like uh, the flooding of a river um, bed I'd love to see the dishwasher ones. It's a magic box. You put dirty things in and clean things come out. So I'd love to see what's going on in there. That would be, uh, be cool. <laughs> yeah. um, the penetration that you've got into the automotive market, that is partly due, I think, to um, a relationship that you have. You have a, a distribution relationship with, with AVL in that market. So from what I understand, the team at base are focused on developing the code. And then you've got uh, another team and a partner with AVL that are helping with support and, and distribution and things like that. That that must have been a real help in those in the early days of accelerating your growth into a market. Yes, it has. Um, so, of course, in the very beginning, um, this was quite a hard decision because um, we decided to not build up our own sales team for um, the sales and automotive industry, but to find a partner um, who is performing the, the actual sales process for our customers worldwide. Um, and this is something that you really need to decide whether this is the way you want to go. But for us, it was important that we want to focus on the actual product development and that building up a sales team that is capable to distribute our software 
worldwide um, means uh, an entire change of uh, of the f company so that we cannot um, be this nerd company anymore <laughs> that we are introducing uh, some yeah sales sales people um, who have an, a different mindset and um by um, deciding to have a partnership with the Austrian company AVL um, really enabled us and made it possible to still focus on our, our software while having a partner who is not just a distributor of software, but also an expert for engineering. Um, and we very soon found out that we have a very good um, cultural match of the two companies and um, that this is a very good match um, for for bringing Prion Lab to, to the next level. So I guess it kind of keeps you within your comfy spot of developing code and, and what have you, rather than having to branch out into managing sales teams, like you said. Would you look to develop a similar relationship in other areas to branch out into other markets? Or I guess it's something that's worked really well for you, so I would kind of recommend it to to others it's not something that i've seen many of the other companies that i've spoken to do so i'm kind of intrigued as to, to perhaps how it came about but but more um, how you see it going forwards so at the moment um avl is um doing the sales for automotive industry but they also have a strong relationship to to different markets um and uh, so they especially in north america they they also sell pre lab to to um, customers outside automotive industry um but in, in germany we have um, yeah growing interest in doing doing sales for different um, applications like civil engineering yeah, like like white goods as i mentioned but um at the moment we do that as uh, as 52 so we have a, a couple of people inside our company who are in, actually interested in in doing sales so this is something that we're doing as a i'd say on a hobby level to be honest at the moment is it similar to what you were doing in the early days where you've you've kind of got a you've got an idea of something that could be useful to somebody and then you're going out and kind of tasting that market and seeing and seeing what the reality of that is Exactly. Yeah, that's that's just what we're doing, because um, when you're beginning with a CFD code, you always need some some pilot customers. You need some um, people who are interested in performing a proof of concept, in um, writing publications together with you, and doing some some presentations. And this is just what we're doing. So it's somehow a evaluation of uh, different options in different markets. So we mentioned a while ago about how. Um, you developed out of a, a methodology at, a, at a, a university. If somebody listening to this is in a similar spot, they have, I don't know, maybe as part of their PhD or as part of their, part of their studies has developed some, some method and, uh, and are looking to perhaps commercialise it or, or at least do something with it rather than see it die with their studies. What recommendations, what advice do you have for, for people um, based on, on what you did or, or doing that sort of thing today what kind of options are open to people i think um if you're in the, at the university and developing something no no matter in which field of research um i consider it most important to get in touch with a potential customer as soon as possible so um i think one of the major mistakes that can be done is uh, to develop something without um knowing the requirements of a potential customer and um, even if you think you know the requirements, 
Um, this doesn't necessarily mean that you really understood them quite well. So um, it is also very important to ha have prototypes as soon as possible, to have some alpha users you can share your first uh, deploys with, to really make sure that you are not de developing something that is of no interest for nobody. So getting in touch with the customer and finding out whether you're doing the right thing and if, if the market you're you're focusing on that you want to address is really the right one. This is something that I consider very important from, from our experience. Because I imagine when you're developing something like that, you, you always, you've always got an idea of what's next and how you want things to be. I can imagine it's quite difficult to um, take it to a customer and, and to sort of let go of it a little bit and, and let it out into the into the world to uh, for people to, to see it because it's not quite exactly how you would want it. Um, do you find that people react quite well to it? I guess they'll react better than you perhaps thought they might. Yeah, so of course you need to find the right people. Yeah, so you need to find some visionaries. So there's this, um, this book um, uh, which is called Crossing the Chasm. Um, and it is just about this problem when you're developing some technology uh, and you have to find some visionaries who are um, interested in what you're doing and who want to try it out, even though it is not yet perfect. So maybe it's not a good idea if you have the one customer and you know this will be my most important customer. Maybe it's not the best alpha customer, <laughs> but you should uh, find somebody who is uh, who is uh, who, who owns all the knowledge and he's who is um, familiar with the field of research you're in and who you can give you good feedback, but uh, who is also not the, the most important person when it comes to future commercial sales and then when you found these customers who were interested and you you're starting to work with them i imagine at that point a lot of people would rush out perhaps and, and try and grab some venture capital money or, or something like that how how's the funding landscape for this sort of thing yeah so i can only tell you how the funding landscape is in germany and um we do not have a a, a venture capital culture like you know it from North America, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had the chance to apply for a funding from uh, the German government and the European Union, which is called EXIST. Um, and uh, we managed to, to get this funding, which enabled us to develop one and a half years with four people still financed by the university without um, the having to work actually for the university but to just build up the business and the company uh, and uh, this for us um, was enough to get get this started because we um, we started to communicate with customers with potential customers with day one so um, after one and a half years we had some revenue and we could manage to grow uh, organically by uh, just using the cash flow I, i'm not sure if this is the best idea for all business especially if you're relying on machines or on, on invest and uh, but for software development and for cfd um, i think it is a way that you can go and it worked quite nicely for you guys so 
It worked quite nicely. Yeah. So um, we we really built up the company until today. So at the moment we are 15 people developing Prion Lab, and um, we are still um, so, so we still have vacancies in our company. So 52 still is growing in terms of the support team, in terms of the development team. Um, but um, this is uh, is another issue at the moment. It is quite hard to find uh, the right people for your company in the, especially in Germany, because uh, we, um, we there are just uh, not so many engineers that is needed in the in the industry. And you're a local team. You're all based together. You're not scattered globally or anything like that. Um, no, so most of the team uh, is situated in Freiburg. We have uh, one person who is working remotely from Munich. Ah, right. So remote, but not too far away. Yeah, no. <laughs> ah, cool. So if people have been listening along today, they, you have, they've got to go and check out your YouTube channel. I won't accept any excuses as to why they haven't gone and checked out your YouTube channel, because th- these are visually appealing simulation results that need to be seen to be uh, to be understood so and we can't do that on this podcast so you must go and check out the the youtube channel but if people are interested in you guys and what you're doing what's the sort of best thing for them to do next yeah so we really started to do most of our communication with both um um customers potential customers and um with potential employees on linkedin uh, so LinkedIn turned out to be our most important communication platform. Um, it really is a, a, a very good advice to follow us on LinkedIn because we will publish a, a bunch of very cool demos and showcases on LinkedIn. So I'll put the links in the show notes. They're all there. If you're listening, you've got no excuse. YouTube, LinkedIn, do it now. Um I want to thank you for taking your time for coming on the show, Jens. It's uh, it's much appreciated. I am uh, super impressed with what you guys are doing with a kind of small team um, operating out, out of Germany. Uh, really impressive. I'm going to keep watching to see what's next. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely no problem. Thanks again, Jens. Mm-hmm.